All we need is a little understanding Walk a mile in their shoes And if we keep our hearts open-minded We'll enjoy this wild ride called True Sweet High podcast. Today's guest is Justin Zerlitzik. <laughs> Did I get that? <laughs> Justin Zerletich. But that said, it's totally fine. Nobody gets it right the first time. I practiced this a couple times, you guys, so this is just, just bad. But um, I, I appreciate your understanding. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited because we've been trying to get Justin on for, for uh, a, a few times now, and we finally got it down. So uh, he is a U.S. Marine Corps infantry veteran, so I can't wait for you to talk about that. And reading his bio, you guys, when I post this in the show notes, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, he is he's done so much. And he has experience in all social media channels, radio, podcast, film, television. He has his own business. He's also had clients from ESPN Radio to BizTalk Radio and Knucklehead Media Group. So Justin, thank you so much for being on here. I'm super excited. I can't wait for you to share everything you're doing and to talk a little bit about your wife who's Peruvian. So I'm super excited. <laughs> yes, we have that, that connection that, uh, you know, there's not many Peruvians running around these parts. So when I find another one, it's, it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Yay, so tell us a little bit real quick about your time as a Marine Corps infantry team leader? Yeah, so, um, uh, well, I mean, I joined the Marine Corps. Well, okay, so, you know, you, you go to high school, you do the whole uh, high school and education bit, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, I, I grew up always wanting to be an Army man, right? Every kid wants to be an astronaut or a doctor or an Army man or something, you know, G.I. Joe. Um, and out of high school, uh, 9-11 really was weighing on my mind. We were, you know, embroiled in these two wars. Uh, but I went to community college. Um, my family wasn't really like, yeah, go join, you know, in the middle of a war. Uh, and I, so I decided I wanted to be a cop, you know, because, well, you know, uh, army man, cop, same thing, you know, <laughs> to, to my, my high schooler mind. I was like, oh, well, I can just join the police force, right? So I went to community college, uh, started doing my um, sub substantive criminal justice courses, and I exploded in terms of weight and uh, just laziness. And, you know, I, I was disappointed with myself, but really disappointed because I was disappointing my family. Like, we lived 30 minutes from the community college. And as a small town, Illinois, you know, college, it was like, oh, I don't need to show up to my 8 a.m. class. So I was missing class all the time. I was not taking my studies seriously. And uh, um, that's what really spurred me joining the Marine Corps was I, I went to see a recruiter and I was like, hey, I, I don't like where I'm at. I, I went to the Army first and they said, okay, well, you know, we're in the middle of a war. So, yeah, we'll take you, uh, you know, lose a little bit of weight, blah, blah, blah. 
they were, I was going to join as a, uh, their chief warrant officer program, fly some helicopters, get $6,000 signing bonus. I was super stoked. Um, but then the Marine Corps recruiter across the, the little plaza uh, snatched me up on my way out of the Army office. And uh, so I entertained him and, you know, the machismo and the pride that uh, Marines have. I was like, oh, you know, I like this. You know, I'm a 20-year-old college kid. I'm like, no, this guy is, he's pretty badass, you know. Uh, so I asked, well, how much money will you give me to become a Marine? And he says, oh, no, we don't give bonuses. The only bonus you get is the opportunity to become a Marine. And, uh, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, that sold it for me. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to be this guy. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And then, I, you know, I, I chose the infantry because I, I truthfully believe that if you're going to do something, um, you give it your 100%, you, you do it all. And so to me, in my mind, I was like, Marines are, you know, they're door kickers. They're, they're badasses. Uh, and so that's what I wanted to do. Joined up, it was 2006. Uh, went through boot camp, you know, School of Infantry out here, uh, San Diego and Camp Pendleton. And then uh, almost immediately was sent to Fox Company, 2nd Battalion, 5th Marine Regiment up there on Camp Pendleton, uh, more the north side of the base up near uh, San Clemente. And then deployed, I think it was late 2006, early 2007 to Ramadi, Iraq for my first tour. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I can kind of understand your wanting to, how the Marine got you, the Marines, the Marine Corps got you, because when I see them, I think they're pretty badass as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are, but I, I, I also grew up just, I wanted to be Army, and that's all I knew, and it wasn't until yep. that I was like, man, Marines are pretty cool, and my father-in-law's a Marine, so... I guess. Well, then you're very familiar with the pride and the, uh, the arrogance that we carry, even now being, you know, a little bit older, a little bit rounder. Uh, we're still some, uh, some of the most cocky people you'll meet. But it, it, it's, I wouldn't have traded anything in the Marine Corps um, to, to do it differently, I, I guess. Um, you know, I, after my deployment to Iraq, uh, we had a, a bit of a lull, another training cycle, and then we deployed on the USS Dubuque. Um, it was the 15th Mew. Uh, and by the time I got back from that, I only had about six months left. I had already met my beautiful, uh, amazing Peruvian wife here in San Diego, and we were expecting a child. So I sought work that was a bit less dangerous by leaving. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to land a position at the Social Security Administration where I spent almost the next decade uh, you know, getting beneficiaries their their access to their retirement and disability and all the good stuff that comes with Social Security. Oh, wow. So how long did you serve again with the Marines? Just four years. Okay. Hey, yeah. four years. Sometimes we, we don't give ourselves enough credit and we'll say just four years, just 10 years. I think the fact that we served at all is is such a huge accomplishment. So I, I, I mean, I thank you for your service because it doesn't, not everybody can go and do that. No. You know, Annette, you're 100% right. And I, I, I say it like that because even though I'm an extremely proud veteran and it does inform a lot of who I am today, um, you know, four years compared to someone who's had a, a career of 20 or 30 or so, you know, I, I don't mean to diminish my service, but, you know, there are other people that, that you know, make it a career. Um, in four years, I had already done two combat tours. I had already, you know, lost dozens of friends. Um, and you know, honestly, it was like 
be married, you know, have children or potentially deploy. Uh, the next deployment was to Afghanistan. And I was like, do I want to take that chance uh, not coming home to be with my brand new, you know, newborn baby. And uh, for a long time, I know we're going to talk about some mental health stuff. Uh, it, it really ate at me for, for years getting out. Um, we had a couple of guys lost in Afghanistan when they deployed. Some others extremely injured, lost a couple legs, um, one severe head trauma. And I felt almost guilty getting out and letting them go and experience that alone. Um, but now, you know, I'm older. Uh, I, I am dealing with my, my mental health a lot better now. So I feel less guilt, but it still gnaws at me occasionally that, hey, you know, if I was there, you know, maybe I could have helped. And I think that's something all, all people in the service with, with kind of our, our brotherhood, whether you're Army or Navy or Air Force or Coast Guard even, um, we, we have that camaraderie and that, that brotherhood uh, that's established where you, you don't want to see anything happen to anybody. Um, I'm, I'm happy with the way my life turned out, obviously, but uh, yeah, occasionally that does gnaw on me. No, absolutely. I, I appreciate you going, going back to the, the dimin or not diminishing part. I, I completely agree. I understand because I think we're just so used to just saying that word, but I, I feel the same way sometimes, even though I did 17 years, sometimes I feel like, well, gosh, all my other peers are doing 20 and they, they were able to do all these other, you know, have these other jobs and all that. So I kind of feel guilty as well. Like, well, you know, I didn't spend that much time and how come I couldn't do it? So it's just it's 17 years is a lifetime. Congratulations. <laughs> No, no, I appreciate that. It is, but I, I think, um, yeah, we, we do kind of feel guilty for, for a lot of things. It, it's, it, it's hard because you, you, you spend that time with this, this family of yours, whether it's overseas or in your unit. So you kind of feel like, uh, the what ifs or what, you know, mm -hmm. so yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, um, so you felt guilty, but you're the, you know, life's a lot different now. And so you are, how did you get into the field that you're in now? What made you want to do that? Yeah. Um, well, that's another wild ride, uh, pun intended. Um, it was maybe the eighth or ninth year at Social Security. So here I am 12, 13 years into a federal government career, you know, in eight years, I can secure this glorious pension, you know, great job security. And a few different things happened. One, we had a second child, my wife and I, <clears throat> pardon me. We had a second child and being here in San Diego is expensive enough, but then having two children, having to pay for childcare while both parents are working, uh, it, it was like one of us was just working to pay childcare essentially. And my wife is a, a nurse here in San Diego. So we get wonderful you know, health insurance through her. And so if one of us was going to quit our job, it was, it was going to be me. Um, you know, we were bucking the, the gender norms of uh, mom needs to stay home with the kids. And, and it became dad, you know, Justin has to stay home with the kids. Uh, and I was okay with that because really I, I was kind of, uh, I started out at social security, absolutely loving my job. Um, San Diego has, I believe it's the second highest population of uh, Middle Eastern and Northern African refugees in the Siles here. And so I worked out in the El Cajon area, which is East County of San Diego, and uh, uh, filled with Chaldean refugees and, and just um, a, a lot of uh, 
uh, well, a majority Chaldean, some Muslim faith as well. But I was able to kind of re-immerse myself in that culture and, and use some of that Arabic that I had started to lose. Um, and, and it was it was awesome. The relationships that I built with the people that I worked there with and, and for the public uh, was amazing. But there was a change, um, maybe you know, year six or so into the job where it was less about beneficiaries and more about quotas. So now all of a sudden we were being timed and how long we spent with somebody, how long, you know, how many cases did we close? How many, and it just became like a, you know, a, a mill shop. It was like, boom, 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 boom. And less about relationships and caring. So I was already jaded. And so I jumped at the opportunity to leave, but all the power in the world to stay at home parents, I lost my mind about six months <laughs> staying home with these girls um, of sheer boredom. Uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I had joined a bunch of various, you know, veterans groups and whatnot. And some people were like, hey, you know, why, why don't you try your own thing? You love design. You, you do all these cool artworks and graphic design and you're a great editor. Um, you know, make, make a t-shirt shop, you know, like 99% of other veterans out there, right? And so that was the very first iteration of Zerletic Design Solutions, which I shortened to, to Zerds was a, um, an apparel and promotional product design company. So I would design products and give them to, you know, other brands that needed apparel printed or uh, some conventions like MIC. I'm not sure if you're familiar, Military Influencer Conference. We did a challenge coin for them. Uh, was it last year, 2019 or 2018, we designed a coin. Uh, our good friends at Pitch and Rudder actually printed it for us. And... After that, you know, there were several iterations of Zerletic Design Solutions, but that that is essentially my path to starting that business. Wow. That's that's pretty cool, though. I mean, yeah, it's funny because, yeah, a lot of veterans start your own t-shirt. <laughs> Everybody's got a t-shirt shop. <laughs> but hey, you know, that's just the beginning to bigger things. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. How did you even get clients like ESPN and the Business Doctor TV show? How did you get yourself? Oh, yeah. So I know um, I just said there were multiple iterations of Zerletic Design Solutions. So some of the, you know, it wasn't a smooth road. Like we said, there are, you know, a dime a dozen veteran apparel companies and veteran designers. Uh, A lot of my business was coming directly from veteran entrepreneurship groups. So I was just networking with other entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and saying, Hey, I can offer these services, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that didn't always pay the bills. There was, you know, probably a good stretch of 10 to 12 months where I was making barely enough to pay my bills. And even some months having to dip into family funds that I didn't want to dip into to, to, to stay afloat. Um, so we quickly adapted what was just a generic promotional you know, a promotional product printing and design company turned into a luxury gifting so that uh, I could target higher price clients, right? Well, then came marketing and uh, advertisement spend and, you know, really the hustle of finding those clients. And as a solopreneur, that was extremely difficult. So another pivot was needed. So we, we evolved again to saying, okay, we're foregoing all physical products. We are just a design agency. So I, I um, networked with a couple other, a, one copywriter uh, who's actually with us now at my, my current position and another social media guy. And we turned it into just a digital design agency. 
So we didn't do any more printing. We would just design the stuff for you. And you know, you paid us an hourly rate to do design work, build a website, you know, manage your social media, whatever you want. And that was probably the biggest move we could have made because immediately we went from having uh, machinery and equipment costs and labor costs and marketing, et cetera, to just having essentially paying us, you know, all we needed to buy was some software and pay ourselves for our time. Uh, immediately became profitable, was able to scale and grow fairly quickly because of, of past connections. And now, uh, you know, and, and that's essentially where Zergs is right now. We're still a digital marketing firm. Um, but I know you and I talked a little bit before the show, I recently did accept a position at Knucklehead Media Group, which was uh, as their director of content strategy. And Knucklehead Media Group is a podcasting organization. They uh, build podcasts for corporations, brands, individuals to kind of bring that human voice and that authenticity to the brand. And they had been a client of Zerbs for a while. Stephen Colon, the, the CEO over there, was a great friend. And he, he offered me the position to come in and kind of do what Zerbs is doing for our clients, for Knucklehead's clients. And uh, I'm happy to say that it's gone so well and we've scaled so much that uh, they're buying us out. Zerds uh, will cease to, to operate independently here in the coming weeks and we will all be Knucklehead Media Group now. Um, and that includes the contractors that are working with me currently. Daniel Vu was my copywriting guy and he's been hired by Knucklehead as well as the uh, uh, copy, I forget what the title is, but he, he's our lead copywriter essentially there. He manages all of our writers. I manage all of our producers and editors and content creators and uh, we're crushing it over there. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm super stoked. Nobody knows about this yet. So if you're listening to this and you heard that, you know, go check our Facebook or, or go to our LinkedIn, go to knucklehead.agency. There's probably going to be some article up there uh, that says, hey, we just did this thing. <laughs> and that's what it is. How did you, when, going through all these changes as an entrepreneur, a new dad, how did you keep focused and keep positive? Because I know that well, with me, especially when I, I didn't even know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It just happened. But yeah. when I started, it was like, you know, imposter syndrome kicked in, um, you know, the fear of failure and it, the fear of not making a difference. And, you know, how do I make myself different from everybody else? How did you, how did you keep positive going through all the changes? Well, um, that's a great question because it's, it's kind of a two-part answer. Number one, I didn't keep positive. My, my mental health was absolutely destroyed. Um, even prior to becoming an entrepreneur, I just wasn't taking care of myself. And I hadn't addressed lingering issues from my time in the Marine Corps and my time, you know. And, and uh, so all of those things kind of uh, clashed came together uh, all at once going through all of these stressful iterations of the business and not making money and, and such. What really helped me was, and you had mentioned it earlier, ESPN. So in the middle of this, you know, I think it was, we were still a strategic gifting company at the time. I had met a couple of guys, uh, one of them being Bob Ryan, uh, who ran a show, BizTalk Radio, on ESPN here in San Diego. 
And he said, hey, you know, we really like your company. I love the idea, you know, relationship management and, and client relations and the strategic gifting stuff is, is cutting edge. Why don't you come talk to us about it? So it was the first time I ever done any type of public facing, like speaking. I, I went and I appeared on the show. They had me back a couple of times and, and they loved me so much. They were like, why don't you just come in and like, you know, guest host for us occasionally. Um, and we'll build your own little segment around veteran businesses because there's a million of us here in San Diego. And uh, man, I, I took advantage of that. I jumped on it. I loved it. It was the first time that I felt really like energized and, and happy. I was like, man, because believe me, I have the face for radio. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to see me on TV, but radio was fine. <clears throat> that went until uh, October of that year or so until ESPN radio here in San Diego finally said, you know what? We're going to go back to sports, uh, less business. So that closed down, but that really got me into like media, traditional media um, and, and where I really felt happy. So what was a generic strategic gifting company turned into this digital marketing company that hyper-focused on content creation for radio, television, um, and uh, podcasting. And that's kind of where Knucklehead and Zerds came together was, hey, you're already creating this content for, for podcasting organizations. Why don't you come do it for us? Um, but going back to the actual struggles, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't take it well. <laughs> um, I'm sure, as you know, you know, money causes stress in relationships all the time. Um, there were months where my wife's like, listen, dude, you've got to go get a job, right? It, if you're going to stay home, like stay home and be with the girls, that's fine. But while the girls are at school, you need to go make some money because now we're spending money on your hobby, you know, essentially trying to be this entrepreneur, right? Um, you, you know, we didn't have like breakdown divorce fights or anything, but she made it very clear as Latinas and Peruvians will uh, that, hey, Buster, you, you got to go make some money. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, again, I, I couldn't have done this without her because I, what I really needed was, hey, you know, get yourself in check, go take care of your mental health, um, focus, get on track, do things that, uh, that make sense and, and make us money. And she stood behind me or beside me uh, the entire time. Absolutely amazing woman. Lesser women would have just kicked me to the curb immediately and been like, no, no way. You know, see you later, bub. I love hearing, oh my gosh. It, <laughs> I laughed so hard when you talked about Peruvians and Latinos because yeah, we, we uh, tend to have that uh, no filter, straight to the point. You need to hear it, kind of. <laughs> it's passion. <laughs> and so how did you did you end up working on those struggles that you never uh, addressed before because I know some of us veterans were very uh hard-headed and stubborn and we think that we could continue on by just pretending it didn't happen or just throwing it back you know just blacking it out and mm -hmm. putting ourselves all into our work thinking it's going to go away did you get to a point where you knew that I need to fix this? I did. So uh, in the middle of all of those fights and struggles and um, sorry, this isn't something I talk about oh, sorry. ever. Um, I wanted to kill myself probably weekly 
you know, and, and I don't say that like in jest. I mean, like literally I had, you know, like, man, I just, you know, I don't want to be here. Um, and after I had finally, you know, cause you just ignore it and you're just like, whatever, you know, stop being a baby, blah, blah, blah. And we push it deeper into our minds, especially us Marine Corps infantry guys were just like, whatever, you know, oh, it doesn't happen. Super. Uh, um, my wife, again, Francie finally said like, stop talking like that. Like, don't, you know, you have two girls, you have me, blah, blah, blah. You need, go talk to somebody. Um, so I did, I, I finally went and applied for veterans benefits who then recommended that I go see someone at the, um, the veterans center here in San Diego. Uh, lovely, lovely people over at Liberty station. And I had been there doing therapy for two years now. And I, you know, it's not something you broadcast on social media or I don't put it in my bio that I'm actively in therapy, but I tell you, you know, there are still days and there's still times where those thoughts creep in your head. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, why am I here? Why are my buddies not? Uh, why, why aren't I making more money? Like I'm a failure. I, am I a good dad? Am I a good husband? And speaking to someone, especially, you know, a licensed therapist, not just your buddy over a beer, uh, although that is effective occasionally as well, um, has made all the difference. Gosh. I, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I, I apologize. I, I know it's so hard to, to talk about stuff like that, especially when you're sharing it with all the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, I used to be, I don't want to say ashamed or embarrassed, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's deeply personal. And you don't want people to think you're some, you know, quote unquote, crazy guy or something. But if by me vocalizing, you know, one, it's good just to get it off your chest. Two, if somebody hears that and says, wow, this guy, you know, went through these struggles and legitimately thought about ending his life multiple times and, and is still struggling with these issues. Um, if I can just touch one person and get them to say, hey, honey, or hey, you know, therapist or, or hey, buddy, you know and just talk to somebody and, and do, you know, really get it off of your chest and have a good cry or whatever you need uh, to get right. It's um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's uh, it's freeing. It really is. Again, we talk about, we were joking about the passion of, of Peruvians and Latinas, but man, my wife's passion makes me hungry for life. And um I, I could never have left my girls alone in this world. I could have never left my wife. My wife would have killed me. If I would have killed myself, she would have, you know, resurrected me and killed me again for being an idiot. Um, and just being with her and being with my daughters, it just makes me hungry for, for life. And, and I want to be here and I want to continue to be successful. I want to continue to be in their lives and make them amazing people, which they already are. They're all amazing little human beings already. It's amazing how quickly, they, they grow and get these personalities. Um, sorry, I'm rambling to avoid answering more, <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah. So that was a, a major struggle for me and, and something I continue to struggle with occasionally. Well, I, I'm not going to ask you anymore. <laughs> no, you're good. You're, I'm just joking, but yeah. Um, I, you know, you bring up so many just great points because I was that one that was ashamed. I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell anybody because you know, you're, you're seen as a, a leader and you don't want to be seen as weak, especially as a female, but even as a, as a male. 
and so I know that from my own experience, I've spoken to a lot of males that for those reasons, didn't want to say anything because there's mm -hmm. be that tough guy. So, um, it's, I know you're going to help someone else listening to this. I know you are. And I appreciate that you really shared such a, such a personal, you know, feeling that you have gone through. So this is exactly why I feel this is why I love to speak to people like you and share these stories because there are so many people out there that need to listen to and hear from Justin, a, a Marine Corps infantry vet who's now has his own business and has a family that he has made it through these struggles and he is finding life and, you know, so I, yeah, I absolutely appreciate you sharing any and all of this because it's such a thank you that that i appreciate you giving us a platform to do this because this isn't you know there's not many podcasts that i could go and appear on or, or have a relationship with where we even talk about these things yeah. you know we're as entrepreneurs especially we're hyper focused on on work and, and business but really these issues you know there are what a million different veterans organizations for people to seek assistance with and it's hard to navigate and kind of weed through which ones are the right fit for you so something else that i, I like to talk about when i do get the chance is um people do this in general but veterans especially we kind of segregate ourselves from the general population uh, we we like to congregate together whether it be on social media or in our clubs and whatnot and that's, that's not helpful to integration, you know, especially transitioning back into, you know, just being your average normal citizen guy, right? Um, so I, I, something that's helped me is to kind of drop the burly Marine Corps veteran uh, shell, you know, stop segregating myself into these groups and just rejoin, you know, public life. Um, don't don't keep yourself hidden away. Don't think that your problems are not worthy of talking about or not, you know, there's nobody else out there that could possibly understand what you're going through. Because even if they're not a veteran, there are people out there having these same thoughts and these same issues. And there are places for you to go talk and get help and, and you know, medication if you need it. Um, and I think it's getting through that that shell, that burly veteran exterior that, that all of us kind of, uh, have upon transitioning out of whether it's the Marine Corps or the Army or any other service, uh, that's the first step. It's kind of recognizing that you are not, you don't need to segregate yourself or your problems from, from help. There's help there. Thank you for, for, for saying those things because there are people that need to hear that. It, it, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, you know, not just don't segregate yourself because there are people out there that are going through it. We just need to, I guess we, they're just waiting for one of us to step up and say, I, I, I'm that person. I, I totally, mm -hmm. understand and I feel it. And so how do you, as a, a as a dad, as a husband, as a, a burly Marine guy, find, <laughs> how do you find self, how do you find the time to have self-care and just me time what do you what do you do and what advice can you give to those men who are like nah i don't i don't need that well it's incredibly difficult to find you know me time solo especially having two young children 
So really my, my me time and that self-care time is the time that I'm able to mentally and, and legitimately block off, you know, an hour, two hours, whether it's at night or in the morning or over the weekend where I just say, listen, I, I'm not working one, like I am off. I know as entrepreneurs, especially young startups or just people just breaking into business, it's like, you're working 24 hours a day, you know, that the burnout is real. Like being an entrepreneur is lonely and hard enough. And then working 24 hours a day is you're, you're going to harm yourself mentally and potentially physically if you're not eating and sleeping right. Um, so it's important. What I do is to just block off, whether it's two hours, four hours, six hours, a whole day on the weekend, or it's like, nope, I'm not working. This is me time, which means, you know, I'm spending time with my girls. We're going to the zoo, you know, not necessarily right now. Thank you, pandemic. Um, but it's just intentionally blocking off that time and making, you know, forcing yourself to adhere to that schedule. No, that and I'm sorry, that's kind of a generic answer, but that's, that's what I do is I, I just, you have to force yourself because as an entrepreneur, if you don't force yourself and say, no, you, Justin, you are going to do this, you'll just work the whole day. And, you know, that again leads to strained relationships with, within your family unit. Uh, mental health issues, you know, sleeping, et cetera. Uh, and that's not, you know, you can't do that forever. No, you're, you're so right. And I used to, I didn't block off time before I used to, it was Monday through Friday and I would take a call whenever with whomever. And it was like, cause I just wanted them to be happy. I, you know what I mean? Like I was trying mm -hmm. yep. to be successful, but I had to realize I'm only doing podcasting on Mondays and Fridays. I'm only doing you know, editing Tuesdays and Thursdays, whatever the case is, I had to block off time and I had to make time to get up from the computer and go eat or drink or spend fun yeah. or call, you know, talk to my daughter who calls me during the, in the middle of podcast. But you know, it's just, <laughs> it's little things like that, that we have to remember that we need to, whatever our me time is with kids or not, we need it. We need to, mm -hmm. do, it's okay to do that. Cause I used to feel guilty. Like, Oh no, I have to work eight hours today because if I don't, then I won't get it done. Well, you know, you what? make an incredibly good point that a lot of people don't talk about is that as an entrepreneur, you are so worried about, you know, where that next sale is going to come from or where that next service buy or, or, you know, so you're, you're willing to just sacrifice all of your time to get your business launched or get your business scaling or, or just growing and, and sustainable that you allow people to, almost take advantage or, or walk over you and, you know, not respect boundaries, especially if you haven't vocalized or put up any boundaries where, you know, like, like you, I'm, t you know, I used to take phone calls. It'd be like midnight or I'd have clients on the East coast that wanted to have a 7am, you know, phone call. And I'm like, well, I'm in San Diego. That's 4am for me. Well, you know what? I don't want to miss out on this sale. I better do it. You know, um, one, that's just, it's not good for you. And two, I think other people, you know, prospective clients and other business people may even, you know, have a little more respect for you as a business owner if you're able to vocalize those boundaries and say, hey, you know, John, actually, that's 4 a.m. for me. I'm not available until 8 on Mondays. So let's push it back to then. You know, it gives you even a little bit more of a, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Not authenticity, but credibility, you know, as a business owner. You're not so much looked at as, 
oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Look at him. He's willing to take a 4 a.m. phone call. Or this guy's up at midnight, you know, responding to my emails. You, you as an entrepreneur are thinking, no, that shows that I'm all about the hustle. I'm, you know, I'm working all day long. But in reality, you're telling your clients that you can just be walked all over um, and, and you're willing to jump for the dollar. You don't want to do that. You, you want to establish yourself with some credibility, some authenticity, some integrity, uh, and vocalize those boundaries for your own health, but also just, you know, to, to be seen as a legitimate business person. Yes. No, you're so right. You're so right. It's okay to have that calendar link and set your... Yeah. <laughs> I never had that. I was always responding to an email. Now I'm like, no, I need, I need something or I'm going to go crazy. So I, it's okay. You guys, it's okay to set boundaries and have time blocks. You don't have to work all day, every day. You're going to go crazy. And who is it for? You know, cause at the end of the day, are you happy with the product that you have pushed out or are you exhausted and you don't want to do it anymore? And that's where you're, you have to find your why, like, why am I doing this? Is it for this? Yep. Or is it for this? So yeah, no, it's absolutely. Oh, so, um, well, no, thank you, Justin, so much for, for being on here, for sharing such personal, you know, your personal story and for just showing the world that it's, you know, we, we all have our struggles, but as long as you can say, Hey, you know, I, I might need some help, that it's okay to ask for help. It's totally okay. No it is. You are. And then be successful at what you want to do later on. So I, that's, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, another cliche thing about happiness that everyone says, but is really the truth is like, you're passionate about your business. And so I'm sure you love your business and doing something that you love doesn't feel like work. So now that I'm, I'm I finally found what I love is doing, which is what I love doing, which is the, you know, the content creation, the video and graphics and uh, even CGI and VFX work that I get to do on some of these, these content pieces that we produce. I don't even feel like I'm working half the time. But if I didn't ask for help and make my, my you know, if I didn't make myself right, I wouldn't be able to feel that and, and I wouldn't be enjoying this ride that I'm on right now. Uh, I would still be battling myself now, I am still battling myself occasionally, but because I have the tools and the capability to, to make myself well and to care for myself, it just makes it a journey worth experiencing. And I love it. And you will love it too. Don't, don't segregate yourself. Don't isolate. Don't pretend like your problems are not worthy. Just ask for help. Ask me. Ask Annette. Ask, ask somebody around you. And uh, I mean, we're here for you. No, I love that. I, I also love, I, and I always try to tell people, it's okay if you don't, if you're having that off day, because not every day is going to be happy. As we've gone and sought, you know, therapy or whatever, we're still going to have those days and it's okay. It's okay to have those days. Walk away. If you can't, if you're just not feeling it, walk away and come back again later or come back again tomorrow. It's totally okay to do that. Yes, 100%. Thank you so much, Annette. This was amazing. Oh, I'm so glad that I, gosh, you are just, you're such an inspiration and I'm so happy for you, like truly happy of everything that you have accomplished. And even, you know, sometimes we just appreciate what we've gone through because with me, I know that I've, I have used this mantra, my mess is my message. And so mm -hmm. now that's, 
I'm not happy that what I went through in my life, but I'm glad that I'm here to be able to share it with other people to help. And I think that, you know, I'm so grateful that you are still here to do the same because it, I know it's been hard. It, it is so hard to get through things like this, but thank you yeah. for being you. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'll leave you with this. Uh, the, what you just mentioned, I had actually just conducted an interview with the San Diego Voyager, and they asked a, a very similar question about, hey, you know, obviously entrepreneurship's not a smooth road. What are some troubles that you've been through? And what, what would you change? You know, what would you, if you could go back and tell yourself, you know, what would you do? And to your point, I agree with you. I'm not sure that I would change anything. I mean, it hasn't been rainbows and unicorns and, you know, a pot of gold waiting at the end or anything like that. But the, the experiences that we've lived, the troubles and the good times and everything in between has made us what we are today. And I don't know, you know, I don't know what Zerlevich Design Solutions would look like without some of the things we went through. I don't know what my relationships with my wife and my family uh, would look like if I didn't go through some of these things. And so I wouldn't go back and change the journey. Yeah, I may want to ease the pain a little bit. <laughs> Yes. Um, but I am, uh, you know, I, I am a conglomeration of all of my lived experiences and, and I, I don't want to change that. I, I like who I am. I love that. I'm so proud of you. This is awesome. Where, where can people find you to find all this amazing work that you do? Well, I love hanging out on Twitter right now. So it's at just Zerletich. Um, I, you know, when I see the episode come up, I'll make sure to link it and come and say hi to everybody. Uh, but also you can just find Knucklehead Media Group by going to knucklehead.agency or go to our LinkedIn page. We uh, love posting almost daily on LinkedIn, sharing some of the podcasts that we're producing, uh, sharing guests of our own podcast, Knucklehead Podcast. And uh, yeah, you know, if you'd like to reach out to me directly, whether it's business related or just, hey, Justin, you know, I loved hearing your story. It's just Justin at knucklehead.agency. I'm always available. Well, I say that, but you know, I, when I see your email, I will respond in a reasonable time. <laughs> uh, just give me a, a, a drop me a line, um, you know, make a comment, whatever you need to. I, I'll be happy to engage and, you know, network with everyone. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited for this. And please say hello to your wife. I can't wait to meet her one day. And you just have a great weekend. Enjoy those girls. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Truths We Hide podcast, created and founded by your host, Annette, the founder of A Wild Ride Call Life. Also, a big thank you to all of our sponsors for each and every episode that is aired. We have so much support from them and all of our listeners. You can find more information at www.awildridecalllife.com.